You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Happy Victory Friday, everybody. The Timberwolves won on Thursday night in New Orleans. It was absolutely an unusual sight to see the Timberwolves build a 20-plus point lead, hold on to said lead, and actually grow the lead throughout the fourth quarter. Um, and, and so that's that's the show today. This is this is the post-game podcast. We're going to talk about Wolves-Pelicans. We're going to talk about what went well. Um, really, only the first few minutes didn't go well. So we'll talk about that. Individual performances, the young players who played extremely well in this game, what the Wolves did well defensively against Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. That will be the majority of today's show. We'll do a quick preview for the weekend. There's two games against the Portland Trailblazers this weekend, so I want to touch on what they've been up to lately. Look back at the only other time the two teams faced earlier this season um, as well. But the majority of the show today, Wolves, Pelicans, um, and that's upcoming. Quickly, though, a reminder, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts. Of course, that includes following on Spotify as well as iTunes. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B-Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, so this game... as a reminder, the Wolves and Pelicans had played once earlier this year, roughly five weeks, or uh, I guess it was the end of January. So yeah, about six, seven weeks ago. And the Wolves didn't have Carl Anthony Towns. They didn't have D'Angelo Russell. They did have Malik Beasley. And they won that game. Nas Reed had a, had a great performance. The Wolves ended up winning by 10 or so points. This time around, the Wolves, of course, don't have D'Angelo Russell. They don't have Malik Beasley. They do have Carl Anthony Towns, who coincidentally didn't have his most efficient game at all. Um, And we'll get to that here in a minute, but they still beat the Pelicans and this time beat them by 30. Um, The game got off to a pretty inauspicious start. The Pelicans went on a 16 to two run in the first quarter. The Wolves were down by a score of 22 to eight fairly quickly in this game. Um, But then from that point forward, or excuse me, 24 to eight, actually from that point forward, the Wolves were fantastic. Um, early in the game, it was sluggish defense, sluggish transition defense, especially Zion Williamson getting whatever he wanted. The offense just wasn't good. It almost felt like, I don't know if, if anybody watched the, <laughs> the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers this week in the Big Ten tournament. Looked like the Gophers offense. A lot of just, um, you know, contested early shot clock threes, clanking jumpers, missed layups. Uh, that's what it felt like we were watching was, was um, poor Big Ten basketball. But Eventually, the Wolves forced a couple of turnovers. They started chipping away. They had a pretty decent finish to the first quarter. The bench came in and played well. Nas Reed played with Carl Anthony Towns. We'll talk more about that today, too. Reed came off the bench, played power forward next to Towns, and that duo did well. By the time Towns left the game near the end of the first quarter, it was 34-27. The Wolves were only down by seven, and it felt like they at least were showing some life. And then the second quarter started, and it was it was the Nas Reed show. Um and Jaden McDaniels off the bench. The two of them were fantastic. Uh, by halftime, McDaniels and Nas Reed had combined to shoot 10 of 11 from the floor. And after a terrible first quarter, Anthony Edwards came to life. He had two points in the first quarter and was, I think he missed his first five shots of the game. And then he ended up with 13 in the second part of the second quarter. So 
the first part of the second quarter was was the bench. It was Jaden McDaniels. It was Nas Reed. And then Cat comes back in the game. Edwards comes back in the game. Um, Cat gets back involved. The Wolves were clearly trying to do what they could to, to get the ball in Cat's hands throughout the game, especially in the first half. He actually had 14 field goal attempts by halftime um, and wasn't super efficient. I think he had 13 points on those 14 shots. He missed his first six three-point attempts. And then he hit a buzzer beater at the end of the second quarter going into halftime. So he's one of seven from three at the half and had 14 shot attempts in the first half. Edwards, again, scored 13 in the second quarter. Reed and McDaniels combined to shoot 10 of 11 in the first half. And that, I guess, those four players basically led the Wolves throughout the first half. Minnesota on that cat three-pointer builds a 67-60 lead at halftime. And I think the story of the first half was the rotations. I mean, it was Nas at the four. It was at times Jade McDaniels at the three. And then it was those young players really showing out in the second quarter. And the Wolves doing enough defensively. I mean, the Pelicans still had 30 points in the first, or excuse me, 60 points in the first half. But the Wolves did enough defensively. They were good enough in transition. And, and the Pelicans don't play at an ultra-fast pace. But they were also forcing a Pelicans team with really no strong outside shooters. J.J. Redick is hurt, didn't play. Um... Lonzo Ball is easily their best three-point shooter, and nobody else in this team made more than one three in the game. The Pelicans ended up shooting six of 32 outside the arc, and the Wolves were forcing them to take threes. Um, they were, they were, and I'll get into this in the main takeaways, you know, kind of overall what the Wolves did defensively. So that'll be next segment. Um, the rest of the game, the Wolves really just expanded on what they did in the second quarter. The third quarter was somehow Jake Lehman's quarter. Um, he splashed a couple of threes in a row. He actually had a, a baseline drive um, where he got to the basket and and uh, got an and one opportunity. Um, I mean, it was just kind of this burst of Jake Lehman playing within the confines of the offense, which is what Jake does best is understand cutting and spacing. And, um, you know, he even, he had one off the dribble three that ended up going in, but it, it was really not a great shot, but it was just, I mean, I'm sure there were, there's these highlights of when he was in Portland. He had a couple of games Lehman did in Portland when he was with the trailblazers a couple of years ago where he just got extremely hot and couldn't be slowed down and, and was just splashing threes. And this is a guy who's like a career 33, 34% three point shooter. And it felt like that for a minute. Um, Lehman ended up making, uh, I believe three threes on the game. Um, yeah, three of five on threes, but he had 12 points, four or seven shooting overall. And he was a big part of building that lead in the third quarter. Um, and then it was Jalen Noel's turn. It was really just kind of like this, this procession of Timberwolves players who were just getting in line to, to be the next guy to take over Jalen Noel. And we'll, we'll get into his game here in a minute, had 28 points career high on 13 shots, 11 of 13 shooting six of seven outside the arc, the back half of the third quarter, especially really the whole third quarter. And then the fourth quarter when the game was out of hand, Noel just dominated. Um, it was, it was very weird. It was like, it was like first part of the second quarter was all McDaniels and Nas Reed. And then it was Anthony Edwards took over. Then the third quarter was kind of Jake Lehman and Anthony Edwards, the first part of the quarter. And then it was Noel and Anthony Edwards. And, um, cat was just kind of quiet in this game and he didn't need to do much else. He didn't need to do more than score 16 points and 19 shots. They were so concentrated on running the offense through him early. And then just everybody else on the team really s stepped up. I mean, Jared, uh, Jared Vanderbilt only had two points on four shots in this game, but he had four assists and six rebounds in 17 minutes. Ricky Rubio was the only true point guard on the roster, shot one of six, but he had eight assists and only two turnovers and was a plus 10 and was the only true point guard on the roster. Um, really kind of up and down the lineup, everybody contributed. And that's what happens when you win by 30, but 
this was an impressive all around performance. And, and the game was over midway through the third quarter. You could tell the Pelicans were out of it. The Wolves uh, got it as high as 32 early in the fourth quarter. I don't believe the Pelicans ever got closer than about 24 or so. And then Minnesota pushed it back to 30 when it was all said and done. But just an impressive, not obviously wire to wire, but basically from like the middle of the first quarter to the end of the fourth quarter, the Wolves just completely dominated. Um, the stat that Fox Sports North flashed on the screen at the start of the fourth quarter was that the Wolves went on a 97 to 58 run after being down 24 to eight in the first quarter. Um, you can add the fourth quarter into that total and the Wolves went on a 128 to 83 run, 128 to 83. They outscored the Pelicans after the Pelicans went up 24 to eight. So just an incredible three and a half quarters from the Timberwolves, really on both sides of the floor. So what I want to do next is talk about those key takeaways. I want to talk about what they did defensively to slow down Zion Williamson, who started the game really hot, um, and what they did to take away all the Pelicans' secondary scorers and creators, and then also what worked offensively for the Wolves. And then we'll get into individual studs and duds. We'll finish with a quick preview of Wolves' Blazers for the weekend. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about our great friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props, and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, on the one-year anniversary of the NBA shutting down due to COVID-19, an NCAA team is forced out of the tournament due to a positive test. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Pelicans. Number one, the Wolves offense was finally clicking and it really it's just a function of the amount of motion that Chris Finch has inserted into the Wolves offense there. I mean, what Ryan Saunders ran was I mean, there was a lot of creativity in what he ran, but it was a deep playbook. They did a lot of different things. And then sometimes would just kind of devolve into pick and roll. That was more when D'Angelo Russell was, was on the floor without Carl Anthony Towns. And in fairness to Ryan Saunders, we didn't see, again, we saw five games of Russell and Towns together over the course of the last calendar year. Plus, um, and so yeah, there wasn't really the opportunity to see what the offense would look like, but there were some games with Towns and out and without Russell, and um, there and obviously a lot of games with Russell and not, and not Towns, which led to a lot of of uh, pick and roll play, which is what D'Angelo Russell is generally good at and what he likes to do. Um, but what Finch has done is he's inserted all these different sets um, where there's just a lot of motion. Uh, he runs, has run a lot more horns sets um, where they run different actions out of horns and they're getting uh, motion on both sides of the floor. They're getting a lot of uh, a lot of dribble handoff action. Um, a lot of this stuff involves a pick and roll, but it's not just a straight pick and roll. And then, hey, everybody kind of stands around and we figure out what happens next. There's constant motion screening away from the ball. Um, it almost feels like 
at, for some reason, Ricky Rubio's creativity was somewhat under lock and key previously. And I'm not saying it's because of any sort of real restrictions that Saunders put on Rubio, but we saw in this game, there were a couple of instances, one early in the first half, um, Towns, the, the Wolves ran a pick and roll and Towns was rolling into the post. was going to try and post up the Pelicans and Zion Williamson was guarding Jared Vanderbilt kind of down along the dunker spot and basically anticipated Rubio throwing an entry pass to Towns, got ready to go double Towns. Um, I think I, I think they had switched and I don't believe Adams was on Towns. So Williamson is going to go help whichever small or whichever wing was guarding Towns in the post on the left block. And Rubio saw that Williamson was coming over to help guard Towns. Vanderbilt cut to the rim and Rubio hit him with a perfect pass for a layup. Actually, Jared Vanderbilt's only basket in the game. But it was a perfect example of the gravity of Towns as a roller. Um, and I've talked before about the B-ball index numbers regarding Towns' roll gravity and how good it is, but also the threat that he is in the post. Teams know that unless you've got a Steven Adams on him one-on-one in the post, if there's only a handful of guys that are big and strong enough to really even give Towns trouble in the low, plo- low post, that you have to bring a double. And if you double from the backside like that and you've got a point guard like Rubio or even D'Angelo Russell when he gets healthy, and you have a guy like Vanderbilt or Jade McDaniels, who's long and athletic, or even a Jake Lehman, who's athletic and fairly long and understands cutting better than arguably anybody else on the team. Any of those guys could cut baseline, could cut back door and get a dunk. Um, and we saw that, you know, Lehman, we've seen that from him a little bit. I think he got a bucket that way in this game, but certainly of late, we've seen that. Um, and and Vanderbilt has pretty good instincts when it comes to that as well. So that's sort of a play running what the Wolves are running can open up plays like that. And the Wolves offense was clicking in all cylinders, even without Towns having a fantastic game. Um, they they really just kind of scored at will once we got past, you know, over the hump of, of you know, that mid to late part of the first quarter. It was, it was easy past that point. Second takeaway is defensively. Uh, the first time the Wolves played the Pelicans with no Carl Anthony Towns, Nas Reed and Ed Davis did a great job in the paint, making life difficult for Zion Williamson. And he had a poor shooting day against the Wolves last time out. This time he had 17 points at halftime and he finished the game with 24. Um, So he only had seven points after halftime. He shot nine of 13 and he got to the free throw line 11 times. And the Wolves were certainly helped by the fact that Zion only shot six of 11 at the free throw line. So he left five points there. And nine of 13, of course, is ultra efficient. He didn't attempt a three, which isn't a big surprise. He only turned it over three times, but he also only had two assists. And Zion was actually a team worse, minus 25 for the Pelicans, um, which again, single game plus minus can be very noisy and isn't a great indicator of how well somebody played. Obviously, you'll take nine of 13 shooting from Zion, if you're the Pelicans, that is. But um, after kind of the midway point of the second quarter, Zion really didn't do much. The Wolves were collapsing the defense so well on Zion that he was forced to try and, and you know, look to teammates. Um, he They were doubling him on the catch. There were a couple of instances, even on the baseline, where he was kind of almost in a mid-post type situation, and the Wolves were bringing doubles and doing a pretty good job of not fouling um, for the most part uh, away from the basket. They still, I mean, the Pelicans still attempted 24 free throws in this game compared to the Wolves' 16. Um but Minnesota, at least away from the basket, was doing a pretty good job of defending without fouling, especially compared to what they usually do. Um, the Wolves also tried some zone defense, especially in the second half as they were kind of trying to pull away. They went to a 2-3 zone and had, um, or I guess really more of a 3-2 zone, and had McDaniels at the three with Nas Reed and Carl Anthony Towns anchoring the low, uh, the, you know, underneath the basket in, in the painted area. 
And the length of those three together is just incredible. And you could really put anybody, anybody at the one and the two. And for this game, at least the Wolves were pretty big at the one. I mean, whether it's Ruby or Jalen Noel at the one, those are both pretty big ones. Um, and the Wolves just had enough length to bother the Pelicans with as bad as New Orleans was shooting threes in this game. And coming into the game, remember, they were, I believe they were 20, um, uh, I guess they were 19th league-wide and three-point percentage, um, but with no J.J. Redick. And for this game, they were 6 of 32, which is 18.8% from three. The Wolves were essentially saying, Zion's not going to beat us just getting to the rim easily. We're, you know, we're going to make him make free throws, which he didn't do either. He was 6 of 11 at the, at the line. Or we're going to make him dish to teammates, make a difficult pass, maybe turn it over. And the Pelicans did have 20, or excuse me, 18 turnovers in this game. Six were by Josh Hart and four Brandon Ingram, three by Zion Williamson and make life difficult for them to try and even get the ball to the perimeter for a jumper. And then once they did, the Wolves did a pretty good job of closing out and and the Pelicans shot the ball terribly. And, and, you know, to that extent, the Wolves got a little bit lucky and they, but that was the game plan. They were banking on New Orleans, beating them from deep with no JJ Redick and a limited number of shooters. Um, the third takeaway here is, is the, the Pelicans ancillary players, their secondary stars did not play well in this game. Brandon Ingram only had 13 points on five of 14 shooting one of six from outside the arc, four assists and four turnovers for Brandon Ingram. And the Wolves used a combination of guys to guard him. Um, Josh Okogie didn't start the game, but guarded him for a while. Jake Lehman, I believe mostly guarded him at the, at the beginning of the game and the Wolves did a good job on him. Eric Bledsoe was terrible. He was one of eight, 0 of four on threes. He basically airballed a couple of threes. I think one was an airball, one hit the side of the, like, just backboard. Um, so 0 of four outside the arc for for Bledsoe, only two assists. He played 21 minutes as the starting, as one of the starting guards. Lonzo Ball shot three of 12. He was three of nine on threes and 0 of three inside the arc, seven assists for him, but just a terrible shooting night. So you got 13 points and 14 shots for Ingram, 10 points on 12 shots for ball and two points and eight shots for Bledsoe. I mean, knowing that it's obvious why the Wolves won by 30 points. Um, but that was again, partly due to, you know, good luck for the Wolves that, that the Pelicans had a bad shooting night. And also the Wolves scheme was very good. Um, their game plan to crash in on Zion in the paint and make the Pelicans beat them on the perimeter worked extremely well. And New Orleans was very sloppy with the ball, um, obviously with the 18 turnovers, and that certainly helped. Um, so good game plan for Chris Finch and for the Timberwolves. Um, and and those are those are the main takeaways from this game. Um, next, let's do studs and duds. And then a very quick preview of the Portland Trailblazers in that matchup. First, though, we have to talk about the best tasting protein bar of all time. And of course, that is Built Bar. I've been talking about Built Bar now for over a year, and it is fantastic. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high in fiber. Amazing tasting, 100% chocolate on all bars. And if you haven't heard, it is Built Bar Madness this month. Today's matchup in Built Bar Madness, um, and this is every day this month, there's there's a matchup between two new Built Bars, um, and, and today's matchup is Churro Puff and Cookies and Cream. In case you missed how the first round results um, ended up, White Chocolate Birthday Cake defeated Mocha and will take on Coconut in the second round. Salted Caramel beat German Chocolate. That's who I voted for with Salted Caramel. That is in the second round. Peanut Butter Brownie beat Raspberry there in the second round. Um, also toffee almond over banana nut bread, which is a close one. I love both of those flavors. Peanut butter defeated orange. And um, now we're on to the second round. So we're looking at churro puff versus cookies and cream. 
I would go cookies and cream, fantastic flavor. I like cookies and cream flavored anything. And again, these taste exactly like a candy bar. So if you like cookies and cream candy bars, that's who you should be voting for. Make sure you go to builtbar.com or to un- at built underscore bar on Twitter. Again, that's at built underscore bar on Twitter or builtbar.com to vote. You can also use the promo code and please do this locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order. That's locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order at builtbar.com. Be sure to check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network will be live on Selection Sunday, March 14th. That's this Sunday, two days from now, reacting to who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. Big 10, Ben Stevens and Josh Neighbors host Selection Sunday Live with local experts from around the Locked On College Network of Podcasts. Follow at Locked On Live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook today. Watch our live Selection Sunday special on March 14th. Okay, let's talk individual studs and duds. There really weren't any duds for the Timberwolves in this game. I'll just cut right to that, Chase. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt only had two points, but he had six rebounds, four assists, didn't turn the ball over, which is great for him in 17 minutes. Good performance for him. Um, Josh Okogie was the only Timberwolves player to not make a field goal in this game. 0-3 from the floor, but he made four free throws, had four rebounds and four assists in 23 minutes. Um, only one turnover tied for a team high plus 25 in the plus minus column was solid defensively for the most part. He had some lapses early, but was really good in the second half. Hard to call him a dud. I mean, the closest thing for me, I, I guess Ricky Rubio probably with his six points on one of six shooting eight assists to two turnovers. And then Carl Anthony Towns had a really inefficient game, 16 points on seven of 19 shooting two of 10 outside the arc. Uh, missed his first six three-point attempts, made a couple in a row, and then missed his last couple attempts after that. Um, He actually had zero free throw attempts in 29 minutes, which was absurd. There were at least two plays where he got hammered and should have there should have been a foul called. So he finished with only 16 points, seven rebounds, one assist, two blocks, but three turnovers, was a plus 16, which was the best among Timberwolves starters in 29 minutes. So a little bit of a disappointing game for Towns, but I don't really have the heart to give anybody a dud award in a 30-point victory where everybody really contributed to it. We can, however, call out the Wolves' best players in this game. Um, And I'm going to start with Jaden McDaniels. I think he had the the best kind of start to finish consistent game where he was good throughout. Um, He had a couple of pretty tough catch and shoot threes and he struggled on catch and shoot threes uh, recently. And he was four or five shooting from outside the arc, eight of nine overall shooting. Jaden McDaniels was had a four point play opportunity, but missed the free throw. So he was over one at the line, had 20 points, four rebounds, three blocks, two steals and an assist, zero turnovers in 26 minutes. Um, And I mean, McDaniels isn't really creating, he's not, handling the ball much in the half court. And so it's not that surprising that he didn't have any turnovers and only had one assist, but he did everything else. He was great defensively against a really good offensive team. He um, made those catch and shoot threes, fourth make made threes on the night, eight of nine shooting overall in 26 minutes, 20 points on those nine shots. Fantastic night for Jaden McDaniels after really kind of playing inconsistent minutes, basically being the 11th man, a couple of games for Chris Finch before the all-star break. He had a big role in this game, um, and and if that's if this is the player we're getting with Jaden McDaniels more often than not, then man, um, talk about a steal with him at the 28th pick in this year's draft. Um, secondly, I'm going to say Jalen Noel, also just a crazy efficient night, 28 points on 13 shots for Jalen Noel, and he didn't attempt a free throw, six of seven outside the arc 
11 of 13 field goal shooting. There were a couple of threes late in the game on the wing where he just kind of jacked up a three and like, it felt like it was almost like an AAU game, super high arc, just kind of splashed through, barely rippled the net. And I, I mean, it was the whole like, you know, throwing a beach ball in the ocean type scenario all of a sudden for Jalen Noel. Um, 28 points on 13 shots. He also had six assists. Remember, he basically ran the second unit. Um, Anthony Edwards did uh, did a little bit of, uh, of you know, kind of nominal point guard duty. Uh, but Jalen Noel was, was basically, for all intents and purposes, the backup point guard in this game. Had 28 points, six assists, five rebounds, only two turnovers to those six assists, and also had a steal and a block. One of the knocks on Noel is he doesn't do anything besides score. Um, he hasn't done the, he hasn't rebounded the ball. He hasn't created for others. He's fairly one track minded when he has the ball in his hands, but the coaching staff obviously told him, Hey, look, Noel, you're, you're our backup point guard in this game. You have to do more than just score. And he did. He had six assists and five rebounds, only turned it over twice, was decent defensively, was really engaged. Um, and just a, a fantastic game. And I've been bullish on Noel for a while and I'm going to keep, um, keep tooting that horn, if you will, that I, I've been saying for a while, Jalen Noel, I think he's going to be a very good six man type player in this game or in this, in, in this uh, league. And at the contract he's at under 2 million, each of the next two years is going to look like an extreme bargain when he next year, if this team can compete for a playoff spot with him as a key reserve off the bench, he's going to be in line for a nice payday come two summers from now. Um, but this was a really, really good game for him, a career high 28 points. So congrats to Jalen. Um, and then Anthony Edwards is the third. Well, actually, we're going to go four today. Uh, we'll give one to Anthony Edwards, 27 points on 22 shots. So not super efficient. But his shot selection was much better. Of his 22 shot attempts, only five were threes. And normally I would say, you know, the more three attempts, just generally speaking, you want your three-point rate to be high for obvious reasons. But Edwards' three-point selection, the shots he's actually taking, typically isn't very good. It was very good in this game. Two of five shooting threes. Basically, all I think all five of them, or at least four of the five, were smart shots uh, in rhythm, in the flow of the offense, mostly open. And I was totally fine with that. And if he goes two of five every night, shoots 40% from three, I think everybody's happy. Um, 10 of 22 overall from the floor, five of six at the free throw line and could have gone a couple more times, just like Towns. Um, He also had four rebounds, three steals and two assists. He did have three turnovers. But after a rough first few minutes, Edwards was really good in this game. And um, and this this is the sort of game that I would expect from him on a nightly basis. It's a little bit of a high volume scoring night, but also contributes in other areas. At least two of his three steals were he was playing his area. I, I think they were all in the zone uh, when they were in the zone defensively, where he basically just jumped in the air and snatched the ball out of the air uh, because he has long arms and is athletic and was paying attention to passing lanes and got easy steals and, and led to transition um, opportunities the other way. So the three steals weren't simply just, you know, hey, I'm going to gamble here. They were, he was playing his lane. Um, they were, he was playing his role and was anticipating you know, using his anticipation skills to, to turn over the Pelicans. Um, so this was an impressive game from Edwards. And even if he's going to be a little bit of a high volume scorer at this stage in his career, if he does some of the other stuff, well, that's not a big deal. I mean, he's still a threat offensively. He's still fantastic when he gets downhill. So you can live with 27 points on 22 shots. If he's doing the other stuff, creating, uh, you know, playing defense, rebounding a little bit, creating for others when he's operating in the pick and roll or, in, you know, with the ball in his hands in the half court. 
and he was overall very good in this game. Um, my fourth stud tonight is Nas Reed, 15 points off the bench on seven of nine shooting, really good in the second quarter when it when the Wolves were still trailing, and it looked like this thing could still get out of the hand get out of hand very quickly on the Wolves. Nas was fantastic. Um, he. Jackson Hayes is a really good defender and he ended up only playing 11 minutes, but Nas ate his lunch a couple of times in the second quarter. And, um, it was, I mean, Nas just had a really impressive game. He's been really efficient lately. He did hit a three pointer, which he's struggled mightily outside the arc over the past few weeks. He only had four rebounds in 24 minutes, which continues to be a little bit of an issue with him, but he had two steals, two blocks and an assist, no turnovers in, in 24 minutes, and again, 15 points on nine shots. So a great night from Nas Reed in this one. Um, that wraps up Wolves-Pelicans. Overall, a, a really strong performance from the Timberwolves. Um, and, I mean, Portland upcoming this weekend, it's, it's about to get a lot tougher. I talked about the schedule the other day on the show. And just a reminder, after these two games against Portland— um, I, I mean, actually including them, you're talking about the next five games against teams in the top five in the Western Conference, two against Portland at home, and then a West Coast road trip, one at the Lakers, and then back-to-back games at Phoenix next Thursday and Friday. Of course, the Wolves were just blown up by Phoenix a couple weeks ago, just prior to the All-Star break. Um, and I mean, it it's really tough the next couple weeks, and still no Beasley, possibly D'Angelo Russell sometime next week on the road trip, but I, I would be surprised if he played at all this weekend, um, given he's not with the team yet. But it's, I mean, if they play like they did against the Pelicans, and that's a big if, then obviously they'll have a shot in all these games. Um, but the Portland matchup is a tricky one for the Timberwolves, to say the least. And obviously, due to the backcourt, I mean, Damian Lillard, usually CJ McCollum, he's been out for a while due to injury, but he'll, he's supposed to be back in the next couple of weeks. Um, I mean, the first time around, the that duo was able to get whatever they wanted, however they wanted it, whenever they wanted to, um, against the Wolves. I mean, Lillard had 39 points on 13 and 21 shooting, made seven threes. McCollum had 20 points on 14 shot attempts combined. They shot 11 of 21 from three. They also combined to have 11 assists and only two turnovers, two, two turnovers, excuse me, against the wolves. Um, and I mean, Minnesota just had no answer. Also, Yusuf Nurkic always plays well against the Wolves, too. He had 17 and 7 in that game. Of course, there was no Towns. That was when Towns was out with the wrist injury. So the Wolves started at Davis against Portland. D'Angelo Russell played well in the game at Portland uh, back in, in, uh, I guess late December was would have been early January, um, but D'Lo played well and and had 26 points on 16 shots. Uh, Malik Beasley had a bad game; he had 12 points on three of 13 shooting. And Edwards was still coming off the bench; had 26 points on 21 shots. But the Wolves just couldn't get anything go, going offensively. And the bigger issue was Portland had two quarters of 35 plus points; they had 47 points, outscored the Wolves by 20 in, in the second quarter of that game at Portland. Um, and at the time, Portland was actually struggling to start the season. They've played really well since McCollum's gone down with an injury. Um, and he's, of course, not going to play in this game either. Uh, we will see Robert Covington, of course, former Timberwolves. So he'll be um, he'll be playing. He's still had a little bit of a disappointing year, although he's played better of late. Um, Derek Jones Jr., who is somebody that the Wolves tried to sign in the offseason and, and basically was trying to decide reportedly between the Timberwolves and, and the Blazers and, and sign with Portland. Um it's a really good team and they've got a great coach in Terry Stotts. They've been playing a lot better lately. Defense continues to be an issue for them. They're eighth or excuse me, 28th in defensive rating 
this season, um, seventh in offensive rating. They are second in three-point attempts per game offensively and eighth in three-point percentage um, across the league. And uh, also the three-point rate is second. Um, so this is a team that doesn't play really fast, but they kind of lull you to sleep and Lillard can score at all three levels um, really at will and has been fantastic this season, averaging just a shade under 30 points a game as well as eight assists. So Minnesota will have to have a game plan to try and limit the number of obviously open threes that they're giving up. Um, they don't need to worry as much about about Portland doing repeated damage in the paint necessarily. Um, but Nurkic is really good and the Wolves have struggled with him. He's a good offensive rebounder. And so Towns is going to need to neutralize him as best he can. Um, and, and the Wolves have to just take advantage of another bottom five defense like they did against the Pelicans. And if, if Minnesota's offense can keep clicking, this is a winnable game or these are both winnable games simply because if they could score with the Blazers, if their offense can keep up, the Blazers will let them score. Um, and with no CJ McCollum, there's a ceiling on what the Blazers, it's a obviously a high ceiling on what they can do offensively. But um, without McCollum, it makes them certainly a little bit more beatable, even though they played pretty well without him. Um, so anyway, we'll have a, we'll have a post game pod after the game Saturday. Um, so we'll be back Saturday night or, or early Sunday, um, in between Saturday's game and Sunday night's game against the Blazers. And then of course, back next Monday, Monday through Friday of next week, uh, with a full schedule of games now, um, here in the coming days and weeks. That's all we have for you here today on the show. Thanks once again for listening to Locked On Wolves, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked On T Wolves. That's at Locked On T Wolves. Don't forget the T. And uh, like I said, we'll be back after the game on Saturday. So enjoy your weekend. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.